everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Well, here we are after almost a month uh, hiatus in the Focus Society of Overachievers. I want to welcome everybody back. Uh, just a quick recap, Shirley and I did something we haven't done in years and years. In fact, actually, this was the longest time we were on the road. Took a wonderful road trip through mid-America, the heartland of this great country. Uh, very leisurely trip, as much as possible. We got off the interstates and onto some of the little byways and highways, which used to be the form of transportation in our country. Had an opportunity to meet an awful lot of diverse people in our wonderful land, and uh, Mid-America is still the heartthrob. It's just amazing to see the excitement of people. It's amazing to see the positive attitudes of businessmen and workers. Uh, We were so pleased with the wonderful service we received from uh, large establishments down to the smallest. It's interesting how the The service seemed to increase positively the smaller the establishment, but that's a whole whole other topic. Uh, Talking about uh, economy, talking about opportunities, which is what this show is all about, is opportunities and how to make your life um, uh, more effective in accepting opportunities. Uh, we stopped at a, a an Indian casino because we enjoy them, and uh, we 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 tried to meet different people. We walked into one in Oklahoma, very neat, small establishment. Uh, the man at the door was extremely gracious. Parking lot, you know, they had a little shuttle to drive you up, and we walked up. But anyway, there was a huge sign on the door that said "Help Wanted," and there was a list of jobs. It must have been fourteen, fifteen jobs: IT tech, uh, maintenance electrician. Uh, maintenance foreman, carpenter, uh, you know, cashiers, uh, uh, wait service people. I mean, the list was endless almost uh, of these jobs available. And it struck me odd because we had just listened to one of the newscasts on the radio how, you know, tough time, you know, unemployment, blah, blah, blah. So we were there a short time. And when I went to cash in our meager ticket, uh, the young man behind the counter, I said, boy, you know, if this wasn't such a long commute, I'd sure like to get an application. And we started talking about it. He'd been there for four years. He was in his late 20s. Loves it. Full benefits, 401k, 100% health paid uh, for he and his family. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, what's with all this? Oh, and he also said this is the easiest and most fun job he's ever had in his life. Of course, he hasn't lived long. And I said, what's going on here? He says, I don't know. So I tell my friends about these opportunities all the time, and nobody seems to be interested. Now, one of the things that is interesting is there's a tremendous surge in oil field activity in these states, surrounding states, and those are a little higher-paying jobs, no question about it. And though a lot of those people that had the trade moved into those, but he said there's just a ton of people sitting around on their duff. So it was, you know, I just found that interesting. Any comments from Lori or Sam about uh, 
you know, the, the, here's one establishment that was looking for like 20, 25 employees in the town of Miami, Oklahoma. <laughs> well, I do have a comment on that. I mean, maybe people look at this as being a negative comment or I don't know, but um, I'm back in the uh, workforce, uh, so to speak, for a while to fund, uh, to earn the income to fund my um, latest project. But uh, anyways, the what I've found is that there are a lot of people that have become complacent to having to go out and work. Yeah. It's it's really an interesting uh, arena of working because there's definitely work out there. Um, but you do have to, you know, shake the bushes every now and then to find it. Right. And uh, that's what I do is I go out and the more and more I'm out and the more and more people see me, it's almost getting to the point because I'm doing um, tile work and cabinet install. I can walk out onto a job site and they, the different foremans recognize me. Right. And that's just because I'm out there beating Doing the bushes. Right. And um, so the work is available, just like the, the gentleman said. But I did also notice that in the uh, a lot of not just the younger generation, but people who have become um, put on unemployment, uh, they found it very complacent to to be on unemployment and collect a check mm-hmm. without doing much of anything. Now, again, like I said, maybe that's going to be looked upon as being negative by some people who may listen today, tomorrow, or in the future. But I really think that in order for America to survive their to survive our um, economic problems, we have to stimulate by first getting the correct mindset to get out there and second, just go out there and do the job no matter what the uh, payment may be. Mm-hmm. At least you're out there, you're doing it and you know, if you're working for $5 an hour today, next week it may be $10. Next you're opening up, you're opening up new new avenues. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we need to do is just go out there and do and not worry about what was in the past but be concerned about today and then moving forward you know there there's another side thank you very much sam that that i noticed and and uh the people in the midwest that we met the, i mean like i said were the hotel, one of the hotels we stayed at was a uh, young men were coming in to interview for jobs in the fields and and they were asked to bring luggage with them <laughs> And if you if you were accepted on the interview, you were shipped off to work with you know fifty dollar per diem and and a good hourly wage. But the one thing that also struck me is I think today we have to uh, many people may have to go where the jobs are. In 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 other words, there are places of of powerful employment in our country, and you may have to break your comfort zone and move. And I I understand there's a lot of complications there, so we're not going to get into that. But this topic actually falls right into the the reason that Napoleon Hill wrote this book. Wait one second before you go into that. Isn't that what early America was founded on? Sure. Sure. Didn't we as as um the our ancestors as they came to this country didn't they get off the boat and they went where the work was right and today 
in other countries, people that are getting work visas are coming to America mm-hmm. and going where the work is. Right. So what better opportunity for Americans to go where the work is in America? And mm-hmm. myself, I've experienced so much more of life by going to where the work is and it just you know really ma- helps to make you a well-rounded person by experiencing different people around right. the world right uh, absolutely right Sam. well we we uh, promised everybody that we're going to uh, start discussing a book that uh, is recently published by Napoleon Hill or written by Napoleon Hill it was published by the Napoleon Hill Foundation and he wrote it a year after he wrote the famous book Think and Grow Rich uh, his wife, Annie Lou, did not want the book published because she felt it might seem offensive because there is a very strong religious undertone and overtone in this book. And at that time, she was working with Dr. Jacobs, the president of the Presbyterian College. And she feared the response from organized religion uh, would, would be inhibited uh uh, because of the role of the devil plays in this book, uh, Annie Annie uh, died in uh, Annie Lou died in 1970. No, Hill died in 1970. Excuse me, and Annie lived until 1984. It's kind of a little sideline. It's kind of hard for for me to realize that uh, Hill's wife was alive just uh, four years uh, through my youngest son's lifetime. Uh, you know, Jonathan was born in 1980. Upon her death, the manuscript. Uh, came into the possession of Dr. Charlie Johnson, at that time the president of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And he was Annie Lou Hill's nephew. Now his wife, show you the power of women, uh, his wife Frankie knew and shared Annie Lou's feelings. Frankie told Charlie that she did not want the book published while she was alive either. Charlie's wife passed away a couple of years ago. And uh, Charlie Johnson, Dr. Charlie Johnson, finally gave me, who is the person that edited the book, Sharon Lecter, uh, gave me a copy of the manuscript bound in red and embossed with the letters outwitting the devil. The foundation believes the manuscript has a powerful message that needs to be shared. Even though the book was written in 1938, it's actually mentioned, uh, it's actually intended to be published today meant to rock our society. It was intended to provide answers during this uncertain economic and spiritual time. It provides the key for each of us to outwit the devil in our own lives. You know, who really is our competitor? I I got involved in a conversation over the weekend on some of the social media about competition. And, and there's a wonderful question forum called Quora, and there's also one called Focus, and some great, great bad bantering back and forth. Who is your competitor? Our biggest competitor in life is ourselves. If you're in business, it's not the guy down the street that also has a shoe store. It's looking yourself in the mirror and realizing what your potential is and what are you doing to increase it. That's who our competition is. We need to outwit the devil in our own lives. It shows, this book shows us how to chart a course for success and add value to the world. And isn't this interesting? All the gurus talk about uh, attraction marketing and all of the things that we've also talked about on this show. 
But if you're adding value as Sam Camerano is by going out into the, the, the environment of Phoenix and, and laying tile and doing cabinetry, he's adding value. Yes, he's being compensated, but he's adding value. He's doing something positive. Lori Polina, when she is involved in customer service, she's adding value to other people's lives. Because of her skill, she's making them feel more comfortable within themselves and the decisions that they made. The devil. We're going to outwit the devil with this book. We're going to be spending several weeks discussing it. And those of you that don't have a copy... Uh, I do have a link to Amazon. I, I appreciate it if you use my link. I think they would pay me a whopping forty-five cents per per volume sold. That's not the issue. But if you go to bestbusinessmindset.com forward slash or backslash whatever it is called, and the letters Devil D E V I L will take you right to uh, you. There's some used books available, and. Uh, uh, the hard hardcover that I purchased, very reasonably priced, less than fifteen dollars. Uh, we're going to be giving away some free copies of the hardbound edition throughout the discussion of this show. We're going to come up with some little contest questions and answers, and and I personally will purchase the book and have it shipped to you. So if you want to stick around and follow this series, we may be into this a good month or two. Don't know for sure. Uh, we're joined today. I want to thank uh, Sam Camerano and Lori Polina. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, oh, Mr. Uh, Mark Hultgren was with us, but he had to leave. Uh, can't connect on the phone. Too much background noise. And again, the book Outwitting the Devil. Uh, Napoleon Hill is an interesting gentleman. For those of you that have studied his history, we know his connection with Andrew Carnegie in his early years, and uh, he went out and spent a lot, a good part of his life. Uh, meeting people who failed, quote, failed, and meeting people who were successful. Uh, again, the preface of this book uh, talks an awful lot about it, and uh, it would be interesting for all of you to get a chance to read it. Uh, as we know, Outwitting the Devil is not the first time that uh, Hill wrote about religion. In fact, uh, The Law of Success, which he published in 1928, another wonderful book that we are going to discuss next on this show, a very thick book, one that Lori Polino loves. Um, he received many letters of criticism about his stance on schools and religion. If you remember and think and grow rich, uh, Napoleon Hill was blasting our education system. And he had negative comments or wasn't too happy about organized religion, not religion, but organized religion being possibly misrepresented. So, uh, you know, it... Uh, he, he he wasn't worried about things like that. In fact, in Think and Grow Rich, in the chapter Six Ghosts of Fear, Hill wrote that the fear of death, in the majority of cases, could be charged to religious fanaticism. Hill had much to say about religious leaders in this in this section of his classic bestseller. And he also had much to say in his magazine, which was called the Hills Golden Rule Magazine, published uh, in the 20s. He wrote an article, a suggestion to the ministers of the gospel, in which he admonished church leaders to teach their followers to practice harmony among each other. Now, Hill was positive, 
But obviously, he ruffled feathers, as most innovators do. In fact, if uh, you do have a true entrepreneurial spirit, if you are a, uh, a pioneer, if you have ideas that are different than others and you think out of the box, you're going to be looked at askance. Outwitting the Devil. The foreword is written by uh, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, uh, famous, of course, for uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul and, and also good dog food, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, Hill's, according to Hansen, Hill's goal was to communicate clearly a philosophy and practice of individual achievement that would stimulate lasting happiness. You are being tested now in the toughest times imaginable. This is, this is uh, Hansen speaking today. You are being tested today in the toughest times imaginable, just as Hill was during the Depression. He felt, acted, and became depressed and despondent. Hey, we all do. An attitude that was deleterious to his very be beingness, just as it is to you and your wellness. Reading this inspiring book can help you snap out of your lethargy and negative-mindedness. Chapter 1, My First Meeting with Andrew Carnegie. Anybody have any comments before we go uh, forward about uh, Napoleon Hill and uh, your own personal, uh, anything that uh, uh, your connection with uh, Napoleon Hill through uh, the law of success or think and grow rich has affected your life? Okay, everybody's happy. I I think, Chuck, that where I started understanding Hill was back in the book that um, Roy and I are doing on our show, the, the Martin, the Miracle of Right Thought. Miracle of Right Thought, yeah. And there was a statement in there that hit me the other day as I went, as I was reading back through it. I, I'm beginning to really believe in your, you know, you don't, you don't read through a book once and stick it on a shelf and right. and check check the box. Got that one done. Don't ever <laughs> need to look at that again. Yeah. Uh, there was a statement in there about the the devil. Um, it's it's as simple for us as realizing that the devil isn't the creator. The devil doesn't create anything. He's a created not a creator. Mm -hmm. He wreaks havoc that we allow him to wreak, yeah. but he doesn't create. Only God creates, and God is the source of our potential. And, and, and our you know, th that's interesting also that uh, we're born in the image and likeness of greatness. We're born in the image and likeness of God. We are created also just like the devil, and we do have the power to outwit the devil if we understand ourselves. And that's what this book is going to take us through. Uh, and I, I, I do hope that everybody uh, listening today, tomorrow, in the future, will get a copy to read at their leisure, and then give what we're what we're hoping here on this show is to have input and in how these ideas are affecting your life today. That's what this is. This is not the reading of a book. It's, it's what is, How does it apply to you today? I'm going to start off. Thank you very much, Lori. I'm going to start off with Chapter 1. Um, 
And Napoleon Hill spent some time talking about his relationship with Andrew Carnegie. These are in his own words. For more than a quarter of a century, my major purpose has been that of isolating and organizing into a philosophy of achievement the causes of both failure and success with the object of being helpful to others who have neither the inclination nor the opportunity to engage in this form of research. You know, it's interesting. I, many of you know and you've heard me say that I enjoy meeting people. This is basically another reason why we got on the road and spent uh, 5,100 miles. I wanted to find out some more about people. Now, everybody just can't jump in the car and do that. And we definitely can't do it on a regular basis. But we planned it, saved up, and, and we went. And uh, so Dr. Hill w- was sharing that, you know, when he wrote this, that the reason he spent 25 years of doing what he did, he did it so that he could share with people not as fortunate or willing to take the sacrifice to do what he did. His labor became, it began in 1908, and it was the result of an interview that I had with the late Andrew Carnegie. I frankly told Dr. Mr. Carnegie that I wished to enter law school and that I had conceived the idea of paying my way through school by interviewing successful men and women, finding out how they came by their success, and writing stories of my discoveries for the magazines. At the end of the first visit, Mr. Carnegie asked whether or not I had possessed enough courage to carry out his suggestion, because he wished to offer me. Uh, on a suggestion he wished to offer me. I replied that courage was about all I did have and that I was prepared to do my best to carry out any suggestions. Then he said, your idea of writing stories about men and women who are successful is commendable as far as it goes. And I have no intention of trying to discourage you from carrying out your purpose, but I must tell you that if you wish to be of enduring service, not only to those now living, but to posterity as well, you can do so if you will take the time to organize all of the causes of failure as well as all of the causes of success. There are, this is Andrew Carnegie. There are millions of people in the world who have not the slightest conception of the causes of success and failure. The schools and colleges teach practically everything except the principles of individual achievement. You know, let's stop right there for a moment. Sam, do you remember in your educational period, I mean, you're still still learning, but when you were in former school, did you do you ever remember a class or a, possibly you did have a teacher who encouraged the principle of individual achievement? Yes. Good. Sure. Uh, um, there was uh, probably two teachers in particular that I had that encouraged that um, in an extreme fashion. One was an English teacher, and the other one was a uh, woodworking instructor. And how the woodworking instructor did it as far as for an individual fashion was that he would give his instruction to the class as far as what was going on um, 
do the demonstrations for the class as far as what tools were going to be used. And then when we as individuals were did our drawings as far as what we were going to make, we had to do a outline of how we were going to achieve each step of the process. And this is the part that, I mean, this part right there can just be learned in, you know, books. Um, the individual part was obviously the the writing down the step-by-step -step instruction, and then he would review those instructions, and he would just look at it and look at you and say, yes, go forward, or he'd say, no, you've got something wrong, go back to your, your uh, desk. And then you would have to go through and um, figure out where you made the mistake because he already knows that he gave you the blanket instruction of what to right. do. Now it was your job as an individual to make sure you put it together in the proper order. And so with that being said, um, he was a great teacher because he made you as an individual take it upon yourself to um, Put together the step by step of it, and it helped to solidify it in your mind as to how you were going to do it. And um, you know that I, thirty something years after school, I'm still uh, talking about him because he was such a great teacher. So, in other words, what he encouraged, uh, he didn't offer you. Uh, if you presented a project that had flaws, he didn't offer you the answers to solve that flaw. He asked you to go back. He charged you to go back and fix it. Correct. Through a thought process that only you possessed. Now, I'm sure he offered guidance. I mean, you know, that, that we, we definitely... Yeah. He would explain everything first. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of like his way of um, going through, weaning through the people who were there just to fill a seat or who were there to learn. Right. And he would go through it all first. And then... At the end of the day, now he didn't leave you to hang at the hang out, and if you couldn't figure it out, he made himself available to each individual at the end of class to discuss the project. Fantastic, but, wonderful. But the idea was that he wanted you to become held accountable to the actions that you were going to take. Mm -hmm. All right, and, and and that's the kind of education that uh, I think we would all enjoy seeing in place for everybody at all times. Going back to, to Hill's words, the schools and colleges teach practically everything except the principles of individual achievement. They require young men and women to spend from four to eight years acquiring abstract knowledge, but they do not teach them what to do with this knowledge after they get it. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this was, we're talking back in, in uh, this is Hill's conversation with Carnegie in the early teens of, of the 20th century. The world is in need of a practical, understandable philosophy of achievement, organized from the factual knowledge gained from the experience of men and women in the great university of life. You don't need a Ph.D. to be a magnificent teacher. You don't need to be sitting on a board to, to, to be an outstanding thought provoker. In the entire field of philosophy, I find nothing 
which even remotely resembles the sort of philosophy which I have in mind. We have few philosophers who are capable of teaching men and women the art of living. Excuse me, this is uh, Andrew Carnegie speaking. It seems to me that here is an opportunity which should challenge an ambitious young man of your type, Mr. Hill. But ambition alone is not enough for this task which I have suggested. The one who undertakes it must have courage and tenacity. The job will require at least 20 years of continuous effort during which the one who undertakes it will have to earn his living from some other source. Right then and there, we talk about people who are who are seriously want to improve their income through some of the internet marketing ideas, multi-level marketing, whatever it might be. You don't grow one of these businesses overnight, just like Napoleon Hill could not do his research overnight. Andrew Carnegie admonished him then, because this sort of research is never profitable at the outset. And generally, those who have contributed to civilization through work of this nature have had to wait hundreds of years or so after their own funerals to receive recognition of their labor. Let's go back and think of Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, Abraham, I mean, so many people, you know, they really hit their stride many years after their death. Or they were accepted, let's put it that way. So Andrew Carnegie is telling this young man, Napoleon Hill, what he must do. He liked the idea, but he elaborated on it and told him how he felt it should be done. Uh, the authoress, as I mentioned earlier, has done some annotation. And here's a challenging question she asks. 20 years of labor with no pay and possibly no recognition. How would you respond to this offer. As he discusses below, Hill accepted Carnegie's challenge, and within a letter of introduction from Carnegie, set about interviewing the giants at that time, including Theodore Roosevelt, Edison, Rockefeller, Ford, Bell, King Gillette, and many others. His effort ultimately culminated in the publication of several books, including the eight-volume Law of Success and Think and grow rich after more than 25 years of, of research. We all know about Think and Grow Rich, and uh, we've discussed it you know, many times over on this show, which, of course, is the second most read book about self-improvement next to the Bible. As, a, as, as a reflected in Hill's own description, the process of developing and publishing Think and Grow Rich was itself a study in the principles he revealed. But uh, he was frustrated, and we'll find out about that as we get into this book. Going back to Carnegie, if you undertake this job, you should interview not only the few who have succeeded, but the many who have failed. You should carefully analyze many thousands of people who have been classified as failures. And I mean by the term failures, men and women who come to the closing chapter of life disappointed because they did not attain the goal which they had set their hearts upon achieving. As inconsistent, inconsistent as it may seem, you will learn more about how to succeed from the failures than you will from the so-called successes. They will teach you what not to do. 
Isn't that amazing? We go back to the mastermind. We go back to the things like when Sam and I and Lori, we've, we spent time talking to each other. We talk about our setbacks. What are we going to do about them? And the input from people who had the same experience is always helpful. You know, I failed at internet marketing, or I, I couldn't make it in, in this uh, multi-level marketing program. Well, what did you do, and how did you approach it? And if you still have the drive and the energy and the desire to succeed, you may have to tweak it. Because there is no road that's straight. They're all full of curves, hills, and dales. Along toward the end of your labor, if you carry it through successfully, this is Carnegie uh, talking again, you will discover that the cause of success is not something separate and apart from the man. That it is a force so intangible in nature that the majority of men never recognize it. A force which might be properly called the other self. Noteworthy is the fact that this other self seldom exerts its influence or makes itself known, excepting at times of unusual emergency. Lori, just think back a few years ago when you and your family were put into an emergency. That emergency literally transformed some of the directions and thought processes that you and your husband operate with. If people want to know more, but we're not going to discuss it again, but it, it was discussed here. I think it was, what, three or four years ago, Lori, that, that you guys had an emergency. Is that correct? Oh, five, five. Five years ago. Holy cow. Already. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. But it was, I mean, it was a growth experience. It was painful, but, I mean, we've, in so many ways, we've gone on to to achieve things that wouldn't, would not have happened now. Um, I don't believe today we would be going out to um, a week from now um, to the convention for Send Out Cards. Right. But Are you, we um, still in circumstances we were five years ago? Mm-hmm. And, and it's because it was that emergency or unique situation that, that you know, Opened the door of opportunity for you, I guess. I don't know. Well, it what it did was it it allowed us in growing in that situation to realize that you may be faced with whatever circumstances you're faced with, mm-hmm. but instead of looking at the circumstances and saying, "Oh, I'm," and continuing to repeat to yourself, "I'm not going to make it over that mountain." You go now. You you look at that mountain and you go, okay. I have to go out there and find the map, find the course that's going to chart me over that mountain to the point that I need to be. And it was a learning experience that that you just you can't stop. You have no you have no uh, way of of doing anything else but on the move until you find that map. Mm-hmm. You're forced to do it. You're you're forced to do what your mind otherwise says, there's no way, and you go, no, no, uh-uh, that's the devil. Right, that's there you the go, devil that's right the devil. And, 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 and what you just said is Andrew Carnegie's words. 
uh, or makes itself known excepting at times of unusual emergency when men are forced through adversity and temporary defeat to change their habits and to think their way out of difficulty. It was. It's gotten exciting, Chuck. I got a customer the other day that I thought was a referral of Roy's mm-hmm. uh, that ended up, when I talked to Roy, he said, he said, I don't know that guy. Mm. Oh, boy. The person from <clears throat> Fort Worth, Texas, I'm like, I never even talked to the individual. I'm like, how cool is that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Congratulations. That was awesome. <clears throat> I sent him a card and and okay. I you know um, hey I I'm looking forward to working with you for success as well but it was just it was neat it was all of a sudden this per, this customer just shows up <laughs> well well you never know when uh, things work to your positive right so. that's right go go let let's finish up today with a, a little bit more from uh, Dr Carnegie or Mr Carnegie to Dr Hill at that time. <coughs> Excuse me. Carnegie said his experience has taught him that a man is never quite so near success as when that which he calls failure has overtaken him. For it is on occasions of this sort that he is forced to think. If he thinks accurately and with persistence, all these words, he discovers the so-called failure usually is nothing more than a signal to rearm himself with a new plan or purpose. Most real failures are due to limitations with men which men have set up in their own minds. If they had the courage to go one step further, they would discover their error. This is Carnegie talking to Hill, and you can read this in Hill's words in Think and Grow Rich. Again, a Sharon Lecter. Her annotation, most real failures are due to limitations with men set up in their minds. A negative mindset and self-doubt can be the primary obstacle to success. With the current economic downturn, far too many people who have all their life done everything right are now for the first time facing severe economic adversity. The greatest barrier to their recovery is their own fear and self-doubt instilled by their recent experience. Have you allowed the current economic downturn to overtake you? Have self-doubt and self-sabotage held you back from reaching your dreams? Are you your own worst enemy? In Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill told the story of R.U. Darby, the gold prospector. We know that story well. The junk man bought the right expert advisors and found that Darby would have rediscovered the vein had he moved his digging by a mere three feet. Rather than being crushed by his error, and this is something a lot, everybody talks about that three feet away from the gold, but very few people talk about what happened to Darby after that failure. Darby learned from his experience and went on to build a huge, extremely successful national insurance empire. Will you abandon your quest just before reaching great success when you are only three feet from the gold? You can read how many of today's icons persevered through difficult 
situations in the book, Three Feet from Gold. Now, this is a set, set up for outwitting the devil. Because Napoleon Hill, we're going to find out, was not always on top of his game. We're going to find out in the next couple of weeks that Napoleon Hill had some, some, some real problems. This man lost more money than most people make. He walked away from successful businesses for reasons he couldn't understand. And if you'd like to join us in the subsequent weeks, join us on Tuesdays, 11.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, uh, here at the Focus Society of Overachievers. And um, we will be uh, discussing Outwitting the Devil. If anybody listening to this show today, tomorrow, in the future would like a copy of Outwitting the Devil, just go to bestbusinessmindset.com slash devil and order your copy. Or go down to your local bookstore and look through the shelves. I want to thank Lori, Sam, and Mark for being with us. I'm looking forward to discussing this book because it gets kind of hairy. Uh, and it, it, it's it's in an interesting tone. Uh, I would encourage anybody who has read the book that are listening to this program tomorrow, uh, please join us and share your thoughts. Uh, this is what this is, is a talk show, and uh, uh, nobody really wants to hear me all the time. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, this is Chuck Barton. This is a great – wait, just wait one second, Chuck. This is a great opportunity for – I mean, we're just launching into this, this book, which I think is going to be an amazing uh, – journey and this is a great opportunity for everyone that's on the call right now um and we can also uh kind of follow along with the growth of it but twitter this uh the link once it's done once we right. have a, a link available please share it on your twitter page or your twitter tweet it tweet it tweet it and, yeah. um and let's get this thing going because this is an amazing book it's going to be an amazing discussion, and um, what better opportunity to show that you are in the forefront of um, greatness because of your openness, each each and every person that's here, your openness to discuss um, failures. Right. Because I'm going to tell you, we all know, and as much as I'm not really a huge Thomas Edison fan, but it was all of his failures that allowed him to dis- discover the incandescent uh, bulb that worked. But um, that's what we have to do. With, and, and with this outwitting the devil is going to be an opening of that because just like Lori said, um, there were certain things in her life that brought her to where she is now and she wouldn't experience where she's at now if it wasn't for those so-called failures. I myself can say the same thing. Uh, just today, I'm going to actually launch the new product on the uh, website um, for the Catholic version of our uh, audio player. But the thing is that it's our failures that can be looked upon as being accomplishments with the right perspective. Right. You're absolutely Twitter. correct, tweet, Sam. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Everybody go out and tweet. Focus Society Dot com. All of our past episodes are there for free download. And uh, again, we're going to be back 1130 next Tuesday, 1130 a.m. Eastern. Thank you all very much. And uh, go out and have a great day because there really is no alternative. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.